feel stuck, tired of wrestling with shame, insecurity, and hiding your flaws? Friend, I've been there, and it's time to come out of hiding. God wants to meet you in the middle of your big, hot mess. I'm Kimberly Stokes, and I'm on mission to help real women just like you get unstuck and meet Jesus in all the ordinary moments. Find me on Instagram at Kimberly K. Stokes or my business website, connectcoach.co. Ephesians 3.20 says God can do far more than you could ever imagine. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hello, my friend. Welcome to today's episode, Shame, Emotion, or Oppression. So this is part one of a two-part series on shame. And in today's show, we're going to address the reality of shame, which has such a sneaky function. We'll examine the emotion of shame versus the oppressive nature of a shame-based identity. We'll look at how shame causes us to hide from God and from others. And we'll examine how living from a shame narrative from childhood can still impact our lives as adults. Then in next week's session, we will look at the impact shame has on our intimate relationships with our spouse, family, and close friends in what I call a shame wave. And then we'll discuss a practical plan to curb shame crashes in your relationships. So buckle your seatbelt. Let's dive into today's show. First of all, let's explore shame because shame takes on so many forms in our lives and it can be super covert and not obvious. Shame is super sneaky. It doesn't necessarily function like the most obvious way that we tend to think of shame. Like when I think of shame, I historically think that shame is like, I'm bad, I'm the worst, I suck, I don't, you know, I don't deserve love, I don't deserve connection. Shame can look like a covert response when we feel stupid, when we feel awkward, when we feel rejected or emotionally abandoned by a friend, spouse, coworker, whomever. And shame causes us to hide. Shame causes us to hide from God, from other people, and even causes us to hide from ourselves. I mean, think about Adam and Eve in the garden. After they ate the forbidden fruit, what did they do? They hid from God. Why did they hide? They hid because they felt shame. And I was reading, and I'm actually studying in Genesis right now, and As I read that the other day, it hit me like this was the first time shame as an emotion was ever experienced. Adam and Eve felt super uncomfortable and uneasy. Suddenly they realized due to their sin, they were exposed, they were naked, they were vulnerable. And they were like, this isn't okay. I'm not okay. So to feel the emotion of shame occasionally simply means we're human. But I really want to distinguish between the occasional emotion of shame from an overall view of self through a filter of shame. So they're very different. This occurs, this filter of shame occurs when we felt vulnerable, exposed, and then just consistently received messages from probably our parents that you're not enough or you should be perfect or we internalize that, I'm not okay the way I am. We may have heard this overtly in childhood. You know, our parents may have verbalized this outright to us, or may have inferred it and blamed ourselves. But somehow, someway, somewhere along the way, we can develop a base of shame. 
And in that, we develop this shame filter through which we see ourselves in the world. So I want you to think like a filter on your camera. And what does it do? As you look at the various filters on your camera, it changes the color. It changes the image to look differently, right? Imagine how a shame filter clouds and changes how you see yourself. And it's through this miscolored filter of shame that we begin to interpret the world and that we see ourselves, how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive others and how we receive their messages. This filter of shame works hand in hand with insecurity and fear. Some of the fruit of seeing ourselves through a filter of shame, one of it is comparison. We compare ourselves to others and consistently probably see ourselves lacking. Or if we come out on the other side and we feel like we're superior, then we tend to walk in pride. Another fruit of seeing ourselves through a shame filter is fear of taking risks. Another one could be hiding our true self. Maybe a fear of being exposed as lacking or not good enough. Depression can also be a fruit. Low self-esteem, eating disorders, difficulty experiencing intimacy in relationships, and then blame is another one. Think back to Adam and Eve. Think about it. When God confronted them, what did they do? They immediately tried to blame somebody else. They moved from shame to blame so quickly. Adam blamed Eve, and then Eve blamed the serpent. So what's the application in our lives? Beware of the little things that cause you to go inward, to hide, to isolate or insulate yourself. Watch out for words and thoughts that cast blame on others. All these can be signs that we're operating out of shame. The reason I titled this podcast Shame Emotion or Oppression is because I really hope that you will gain the distinction as you listen to this podcast today of the difference between the two. The emotion of shame is a normal human feeling that we all experience from time to time versus this filter of shame, which is a form of demonic oppression, usually related to childhood trauma or some other form of trauma that we've walked through. And I want you to know it's not God's will that you be tormented by shame or see yourself consistently through this filter of shame because that is not how God sees you. And if you consistently struggle with a filter of shame, I want to encourage you, you can get free of that. It's not a magic wand. It'll definitely take some effort and intention on your part in partnering with the Lord. But that filter of shame doesn't have to continue to be the tint or the lens through which it shapes your thoughts, your perceptions, your emotions. So get help. I encourage you to invest in yourself, whether that's therapy or inner healing, coaching, whatever you need to get your breakthrough. And then I really encourage you to seek the Lord. Get vulnerable with Him. Let Him speak into this area of your life. I always say that God is the absolute and very best therapist. From the outside, I want to share briefly how to deal with the oppression of shame how to deal with the demonic roots of a shame-based identity or that shame filter, as I call it. So number one, I would just say come out of agreement with shame and the enemy's stronghold that he's had over you in this area of your life. Um, Just, I would say, ask forgiveness from the Lord. If you've agreed with the enemy and how you perceive yourself, 
Take authority over you. Just command every demonic spirit to leave you in Jesus' name. It's pretty simple, really. It's not rocket science. It may sound weird to you, but it's very biblical. Read the Gospels and you'll see how often Jesus commanded evil spirits to leave. So as you do this, it can be as simple as, you know, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for the ways I've agreed with this shame narrative or this shame filter through which I've seen myself. This is not the way you see me. So I just confess it and I ask forgiveness, Lord. I take authority over myself and I come out of agreement with shame. I come into agreement with you and I command every demonic spirit to leave me in the mighty name of Jesus. And then you may want to hammer on that for a minute like, go in Jesus name. I don't want you. Get out. You don't help me. Evil spirits are just like bratty children. So just take authority and command them to go. Then invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. Invite him into your emotions, your thoughts, any past memories or body memories you may have from trauma. Basically, give the Holy Spirit all of you and invite him to have inhabit every place in your heart, in your mind, your emotions, your physical body. Any place where there's been oppression, just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to lead and fill me. So that's just a simple, simple, quick, um, I guess, description of how to deal with the demonic roots of shame and a shame-based identity. So you can deal with the demonic roots and then you need to deal with this filter of shame because your brain has been trained to filter through that shame filter. So getting rid of the demonic strongholds and oppression, that is vital. But we still need to retrain our brains to think differently. So let's say if you're 25 years old and you've had a shame filter for probably the majority of your life, that's been there a long time. So it's going to take some effort and intention to renew your mind, to create new neural pathways in your thought life and in the way you perceive yourself. This looks like intentionally replacing that shame filter with God's filter. Just how, um, like, we own a house. And so the filter on our air conditioner, we have to go through once a month. We take out the filter that's old and dirty, and we put in a new filter. So it's basically doing that daily, sometimes minute by minute, with our brains so that we're filtering and thinking. And that's how we develop new neural pathways in our thoughts and in our minds so that our thinking lines up with God's thinking. So instead of agreeing with in your thoughts how the enemy wants you to see yourself, we begin to agree with how God sees us. So we go from believing lies that probably feel very, very true to choosing to think and believe truth that may not feel very true yet. So I just want to acknowledge the rub in that process, that it's um, it's a little awkward at first, and that's okay. So just give yourself permission to know this is different than what I've been thinking and feeding on for the past, you know, 20-something years. And it's relational. It's not just words and a mantra. This is a relational process that we engage in with God via the Holy Spirit. And knowing we're not alone on this journey. And the Father wants to journey with you and with me in this process. Honestly, it brings him no pleasure for the enemy to kick your butt in this area. 
It doesn't bring him glory. And honestly, I think it hurts God's heart to see us as his precious children believing lies and walking around with this ugly, perverted way of seeing ourselves through this nasty shame filter. So in the process of renewing our minds and reprogramming our brains, we begin to awaken to our true identity and that will give you courage to come out of hiding. And that's one of the things I sense for today, that the Father wants to call us out of hiding. He wants to call us out of the shadows of shame and into the light, into the light of his presence, to fully engage with him in our deepest, most vulnerable issues, fears, needs, and wounds. He's calling us into the light, into the living, true, deep, authentic relationship with him and with ourselves and with others. Fear and shame may have dominated your life in the past. It may have kept you in hiding, but God is calling you to a new place to honestly give him our fear of rejection, our fear of abandonment, our fear of not being enough. And he will meet us right in the middle of that place of raw authenticity. Shame operates in this, in kind of like a really dark place in our soul And we don't want to go there. We'd rather ignore it or pretend it's not there. But freedom from the shame-based identity comes as we courageously bring the shame into the light of God's presence. When we operate in some level of shame or through a filter of shame, we often revert back to unhealthy patterns and wounds from childhood where we insulate ourselves, which plays out by not being vulnerable, not being with, honest with ourselves or with others about our thoughts, our true feelings, our disappointment, or our fears. Shame can manifest in hiding from ourselves. And this often happens, I see this play out with many of my clients who struggle with shame, by distracting themselves. A constant state of busy, which I used to be in that, and I didn't even know I had shame operating. It was so covert underneath all my perfectionism, and I'll talk about that later, but I stayed so busy. So if you use busy to keep yourself distracted, you might be hiding from this shame. That can be busy in your career via workaholism. That could be busy in ministry. That could be busy with a swirl of all the tasks of managing your home, being a mom, kids, church, meals, soccer practice. But it's busy can distract us from this shame that may be bubbling underneath the surface. Shame is so sneaky in that we sometimes don't even realize we're hiding from ourselves. We're not fully showing up in our own lives by hiding our thoughts, holding back on sharing our ideas with a friend, with our spouse, or maybe in a business meeting. It might manifest in not pursuing other friendships or new relationships. It might manifest by refusing to have difficult conversations with your spouse because deep down you feel insecure and afraid and you don't know how to deal with it. Shame can look like hiding from your spouse and ignoring your own issues or ignoring your spouse's issues because dealing with the elephant in the room seems super overwhelming. Shame can really manifest when we feel rejected, leaving us to blame ourselves. Kind of back to that Adam and Eve thing of how shame and blame are often connected. So we feel shame and then blame ourselves because deep down we fear we're just not good enough or it might be a different word, fill in the blank, not smart enough, not competent enough, whatever that might be for you. 
So I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are many faces of shame and we all experience it in various forms and on different levels. Um, In terms of an overall definition of shame, I really like Brene Brown's definition of shame. This is how she defines it. The intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, or connection. And if you aren't familiar with her work, she studied shame for over like 20 years. And she says that silence, secrecy, and judgment are three things that fuel shame. And I totally agree. And I think these three things indicate hiding because shame calls us into hiding because we don't want to be judged by others. And most of us, if we struggle with shame, we're already judging ourselves so severely. For those of us who operate from a shame narrative or this this shame filter, it was often played out in our childhoods due to hurts and wounds we experienced. And we learned a safer existence by hiding our true self. So for me, for example, there was, there, was this, there was an unspoken message that I received in childhood that you've got to be perfect. Neither of my parents ever, ever, ever said this to me, but it's the message I picked up loud and clear. It was inferred. So I either was striving for perfection or I hid because it's safe to hide. And do you realize that shame is actually the birthplace of perfectionism? Perfectionism tries to protect us from that feeling of shame. And I think that's super interesting. Interesting because I'm a recovering perfectionist. But we all have different experiences, different levels of pain and rejection from childhood. Some of us were rejected. Some of us were abused. Some of us still have deep, deep scars from our childhood that remain to this day. And the result is often, I hide my true self so others won't reject me or judge me. And the unspoken message to ourselves is, I'll be safe this way. And actually, it's not, probably not, it's not an unspoken message. It's more of like a subconscious thought than a dialogue. But it's, it, we feel like we'll be more safe. But there's such a huge, huge flaw in this defense mechanism. Because God created us to live in connection and community with Him and with other people, not to hide in a cave of shame, isolation, and to insulate ourselves from possible hurt. For many years, I put forth this facade of perfection, and it was my protective armor that I wasn't even aware of. Seriously, I was completely unaware of the grip of shame that was at the root of my perfectionism. So if you live with shame and you're somewhat aware of the tentacles and the grip that it has on your life, I just want to say that's a really good start. You know, you may be listening to this podcast and think, "Hmm, I don't even think shame has a grip on me. And it may not. But that used to be what I thought. I didn't see shame operating because it was so covert. It was so sneaky. And it was so under the radar, covered up by my perfectionism. And that's really it. Shame calls us to wear a mask or a facade. Mine was a facade of perfection, but it can be a mask of any kind. I remember a session with a client where it came out that she wore a facade of like, I don't care. And it was kind of this tough girl persona. 
So her shame and rejection had caused her to wear this facade, and it was a great defense mechanism to survive her childhood. But now as an adult, it was kicking her butt. It was so counterproductive, and it was causing issues in her life and in her marriage. So this is the deal. So many times, the defense mechanisms that kept us safe and protected emotionally in childhood are the very defense mechanisms that have become outdated and keep us from the very thing we want, from the healthy, intimate marriage or friendships we hope to have in adulthood. So beware that those defense mechanisms from childhood can become outdated and they can actually cause harm instead of helping you in your real life. So wherever you are on your personal journey, I just want to say there is hope for you. God wants to meet you where you are and his love is so much greater than your shame. He can help you grow and he can help you let go of any facade or any mask that worked in childhood, but it's outdated and isn't helping you anymore. So God wants to partner with you as you grow and let go of those facades. I'm so case in point here because God healed those wounds and the rejection that I felt in childhood. All the hoops of perfectionism and the facade of perfection that was rooted in a silent shame, it no longer rules over me. As I learn to receive God's love and his affection without limits, without hoops, without shame, his love healed me so, so deeply. And I no longer wear that mask of perfection or performance. Yes, every now and then I am tempted and I slip back into that, but it's not, it's not a facade. It's not something that's constantly on me. And it is beautiful to be free from that. I'm no longer ruled by fear of what others think about me. And God's continual healing touches, receiving his affection, it's shifted me on the inside. I don't fear making mistakes like I used to. I'm able to own my pain, my sin, my failure, my insecurities, and really set me free from this judgment of others. So God's unconditional, unmerited love and affection has so permeated that fear that I wasn't enough or that I had to be perfect in order to be loved. So I want to reiterate, there is such an There's just such a difference from the emotion of shame occasionally that we feel that versus a shame filter or a shame narrative that we're living from. The shame filter is a shame-based identity, which is oppression. The emotion, occasional emotion of shame, that's just part of the human experience. So I still feel at times the emotion of shame. But I don't see myself through that filter or that shame lens anymore. And it's so freeing to come out of hiding. It's so freeing to be honest with God, to be honest with myself and with others. And he's used me as a catalyst to help call other people out of hiding and into a land of freedom and wholeness. And it's this beautifully messy process, this journey with God, with others, and with ourselves And there is hope for you to be free from any facade or mask that you've worn as a defense mechanism to cover your shame. There's a verse in Colossians that I want us to look at. It's Colossians 3 verses 8 through 10. And it says, put off your old self, 
And with that, I want you to think of that, that shame-based identity is our old self. So put off your old self with its practices and put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of God. And then on down to verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, which it's talking about our identity. Our identity is secure, that we're accepted by God. We're not rejected. We are loved all the time, even when we don't deserve it. That we can have margin and space to be okay when our friend, boyfriend, child, whatever, rejects us. It's just talking about that security of knowing who we are. Our identity is that we are God's chosen. We are holy. We are dearly loved. So then he calls us, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. I want to propose that the old self Paul's referring to there in Colossians 3 is what science and scientists and social scientists refer to as that system one part of our brain. The responses that are automatic and hardwired from our past experiences. It's in the old self that our shame narrative or that the shame filter is where that kind of lives or resides. It's the hurts from our family of origin. And the new self that Paul refers to, that's the part that's activated in the system two part of our brain that the Bible Bible talks about as the renewed mind. I find it super fascinating that God has a plan for us to thrive spiritually, relationally, and emotionally. Social scientists will find new terms and new ways to identify it, but the God of the ages has it all laid out for us in his word. And I think that's so incredible, right? I love it. God is brilliant and he's timeless. So shame can be hardwired into our old self, into our brains, into our emotions. And again, shame is so sneaky. It begs us to hide from ourselves, from God, from others, to wear masks and facades to cover it. But we can journey out of the land of shame and we don't have to live there. We can journey into the land of the living, the light of God, into his presence, partner with him, where we begin to see ourselves as he sees us, and we begin to see others as he sees them. So bringing our shame into the light of God's presence, it is such a huge, huge step. It's a giant step to face shame squarely with the Lord and with other people that we deeply trust whether that's a therapist, spouse, coach, friend, whatever. But I hope, I just really hope this episode is encouraging to you as we dissect shame kind of bit by bit and just to understand the difference between the occasional emotion of shame versus having a shame-based identity when we see ourselves through a filter of shame. Which it distorts, like think about like looking in a trick mirror, how that distorts the image A shame-based identity, it's just like that. It distorts the image of who we are, created in the likeness of God. And we begin to see ourselves focused on this distorted image and, and like evaluating, I'm not worthy of love because this, this, this. But it's all through this distorted image that's twisted and perverted because of shame. Friend, you can experience freedom from that oppressive nature of the shame-based identity. I encourage you, deal with the demonic roots, like to talk about earlier in the program. Deal with your shame. Freedom comes as we take brave steps and bring our shame into the light. 
It was for freedom that Jesus set you free. He set us free and he wants us to be free from the chains of shame. There is so much hope for you, my friend. In next week's show, we'll go deeper into the effects of shame and the effects that it has on our close relationships. We'll discuss what I call shame waves and shame crashes in relationships and talk about how to partner with God in the midst of both of those. But that's it for today's show. Remember that I'm rooting for you and I believe in you. And more importantly, your heavenly father is rooting for you. He believes in you and it's his delight to partner with you minute by minute in all the really messy moments. And he thinks that you are so worth it. So don't listen to the voice of shame today. Lean in. Just listen to the voice of your Heavenly Father. I love you, friend. Until next time. Friend, I'm so glad you joined me for today's show. If you need help navigating through your emotions, relationships, past trauma, or just getting that breakthrough, you can find me online at connectcoach.co. I offer in-person and virtual sessions, so check it out. I'd be honored to partner with you. I'm so glad we're on the journey together.